and welcome to the Coming Out of the Basement podcast for the first week of May 2012. I'm your co-host Carlos, and with me is your co-host BJ. Uh, today is going to be our Avengers special in the run-up to this week's movie release, which I suspect is going to be pretty awesome. But BJ, I think you'll be talking about that later. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be covering primarily the Avengers movie, but I also want to cover the, the broader topic of something really interesting that Marvel's done, and that is they have just about recreated their Marvel universe in the movie world. And I don't know for my part, that's kind of big. I don't know what you think about it, but I find it interesting and I find it, you know, very telling of how they're treating their intellectual property and such. Yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be fun to talk about. Cause I don't think we've, we've really discussed that before. So yeah, that'll be neat. Um, first though, I have to, I have a very serious question to ask you. What's that? Did you, did you go to the haunted mansion for me on your vacation? We did, in fact, go to the Haunted Mansion. Uh, that's one of our favorite ones to do, and we had a good time. Uh, I got to say, I, I suffered some injuries during the vacation. Um, oh, no. I, I, I did not come out uh, unscathed. I dislocated my knee, sprained my back, and I had a burned esophagus. Oh. Whoa! What 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 happened to you on the haunted mansion? Now this so, is uh, this is actually the first time I've heard of this. Like I haven't talked to you before this, so that's crazy. I, I purposely didn't tell you anything because I wanted to be <laughs> the podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, this this is honestly your first time hearing about this. So um, as you know from from an old weightlifting injury, I I have knee problems, and at one point in the, in the trip, my knee kind of gave out on me, and I was significantly limping throughout the the vacation at that point. Which honestly wasn't a problem because uh, Disneyland and Universal were kind of bare when we went there because we went in the middle of the week and it wasn't like spring vacation or summer vacation. So there wasn't that many people there. But my mother is this like weird, you know, rocket through the the park. You know, she power walks from, you know, station to station. And you can't stop her for nothing. So there I am kind of right. trying to catch up like, oh, God, they're leaving me behind. Like I'm the, the wounded one on a survival trip or something like that. Um, sprained my back on the bad beds in uh, the, the, the hotel room. And then I burned my esophagus uh, from acid reflux one night. I I had some, Gosh. I had two servings of tomato biscuit medieval times and it kind of um, didn't treat me that well. And I kicked my pillow out from some point and it kind of drained into my esophagus and I woke up choking and burning. And so, yeah, it was it was a rough vacation all in all. That sounds terrible. So I've, I've been spending several days just kind of catching up and, and recovering from my relaxing vacation. All right. Well, I hope I hope you get to feeling better soon. That's that's really kind of scary. I know. I appreciate <clears> it, sir. Uh, one of the things I want to also do, um, one of the things we kind of got into the rhythm of in the beginning of our podcast is to give out shout outs. Now, I don't know about you, Carlos, but I was honestly shocked at the popularity of episode number three. Um, and yeah, I guess I guess there was uh, a lot of interest in the subjects. I know by the next day we had a hundred downloads. Like it was crazy. And we're um, be over two hundred. It's uh, episode three is doubled or, or has surpassed like the numbers for both episode one and two combined or something crazy like that. So yep. you know, I think we we're kind of prepared for us to taper off and you know maybe get a couple downloads here and there, but all of a sudden episode three shot out from nowhere. Yeah, that was that was really surprising. But you know, I, I, people feel really passionate about both of those subjects. I think the Mass Effect three ending and and sexism in comics, and that that kind of showed with the Google hits and the and the and the, you know the feeds and the comments and stuff. So, and I, I think the best feedback we got was from uh, your con- conversation on sexism in comics. You know, uh, who was that girl who posted? Uh, Sarah um, had a lot of good information to to respond on that. 
Yeah, we got we got some good responses from uh, Sarah, who talked specifically about her problems with Mass Effect Three, and then from uh, Geek Girls Rule, who are one of the the articles that I linked in in the notes there, and uh, and my friend Ellie, who also commented, and all the, all of them had some really interesting things to point out to us. So uh, thank you all very much. And my wife uh, listened to it, and she was honestly proud of how we uh, approached the subject and and the respect and seriousness we gave the the material. So I think all in all, that's one episode to be proud of. Also, it really brought diversity to our downloads. I don't know if you look at our statistics, but you know we have downloads from now Estonia, Belgium, Germany, France, the Netherlands, Finland, New Zealand, and Sweden. Wow. Sweden. I mean, we're all over the place. Wow. Now. Uh, wow, that's surprising. Now. The other bit of news, do you want to talk about the Tech Shop Boys offering the uh, Podcast Network stuff? Um, sure. Um, I, you, you got the email, so <laughs> what, what we exactly both got, happened? It, it went to both to, both of us. So uh, there's another podcast of, of geek-related uh, material, the Tech Shop Boys, and they cover a wide variety of topics, just like we do. Um, and we've given them a shout-out. They've helped us out on a variety of occasions for you know how to do some of the posting stuff and um, the uh, the music we can use and what have you. And so it looks like they're wanting to do a podcast network, and they offered us a slot on it. So, and I think you and I talked about it, and I think we're gonna we're gonna go with it as long as it's as low maintenance as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that's that sounds about what we talked about, right? Because I mean, apparently, for example, apparently we're a weekly podcast, which is actually never something we discussed. It just kind of happened that way. <laughs> How did that happen? You and I, I, I have no idea. People, so, <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, no, it, it sounds great, and you know, listening to these other podcasts has been really interesting. So yeah, I'd be happy to participate with you, that. You want to know how it happened? It happened because we're not playing our tabletop game as much. You and I are oh, that, used to, that we're used to getting a certain amount of our nerd um, conversations out of the way. You and I talk a lot during the tabletop game, and we haven't played our Mutants and Masterminds campaign in forever. It's so, been a while, so yeah, we need to go back to that sometime. It's like this fix we got to get out of our system. <laughs> exactly. Um, I actually wanted to mention, going into the uh, Avengers versus X-Men comics, which is going to be the topic that I talk about, uh, an early feedback from one of your friends, uh, I, uh, Thomas, I believe, he, he was talking about how uh, we're this podcast that is talking about a variety of geek subjects, and, and that can be challenging because obviously people have different interest levels in, in geek, different geek subjects. And also one of the uh, feedback that we got on, on the forum post on Something Awful mentioned something similar, that like one guy knew stuff that we talked about, but he didn't mind it so much because he, he realizes that not everyone knows that kind of thing. And that's kind of like a line we have to watch in that we don't want to lose people who don't know what we're talking about, but we also don't want to like talk down to people. And we also don't want to pretend to be experts on these subjects. So, you know, let us know how we're doing. If you think we're, we're going too fast, which is something I do in teaching because I start talking super fast when I'm teaching in front of a classroom. And so, yeah, if we need to slow down, let us know. If, if, we're, if you think we're talking down to you, let us know, you know, just so that we can try to get a feel for whether or not the, the, the pace and the, the uh, level that we're going out is uh, sufficient or is appropriate. So let us know. And we're open to all kinds of feedback. I don't think you and I would ever claim to be an expert on any topic whatsoever. Absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah, we, we, we follow that Bill and Ted's maxim, right? True knowledge is knowing that you know nothing, as yeah. said by Socrates. <laughs> my my so, favorite yeah, uh, piece of feedback so far has been that guy who said he listened to us totally expecting to hate us, and he found it pleasant, surprising, <laughs> and subscribed. And I was like, you know, that pretty much sums up the internet for me. So, And, and it was a surprisingly good f- piece of feedback or, or, or you know, just a response to our podcast. So. Right, right. All right. Are we ready to talk about some comics? 
Now, I've been purposely avoiding this because I've been wanting to hear your impression of it before I get into it. I've been, you know, I definitely got some opinions of, of sort of the overall, overarching Marvel storylines, but I want to hear what you have to say on this one. Well, I yeah, and I will definitely ask you about some of those opinions because I'm I'm conflicted on a few things, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, we talked we've talked a little bit about the reboots that DC has done and how that's kind of confused things for us. But you know, both Marvel and DC have done that kind of thing, and Marvel, especially with the X Men, you have alternate timelines, other universes, people coming from the future, and things that are just kind of confusing, and so it's kind of hard to tell where you are in a given Marvel time, and especially uh, coming back into comics after a few years in the way into mainstream stuff in the way that I have. Stum- I, you know, again, Wikipedia has and, and the Marvel Wiki and all these other web sources have been absolutely necessary to try to figure out what the heck is going on and who's who and, and so on like that. One, so here's one of those things that I'm sure a, a, a term that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, but in, in conversation, not everyone is necessarily. And one of the things that happens a lot is the retcon. Which yes. Is, yeah. Which uh, so retcon stands for retroactive continuity. Uh, it's it's it happens in all kinds of genres, uh, but definitely happens in comics, and for a variety of reasons. You know, these comics have multiple writers and editors and directors, and somebody might might not like something that happened in the past, or somebody might want to bring someone back because it'd be cool or whatever. Um, so whenever you see something like everything you know about Jean Grey is wrong, you know, or something like that, that's almost a sure sign of a retcon. You know, other examples are in that that television show Dallas, when when at the end of one season it was all a dream, which people which really made people upset at the time. Uh, and, and it's confusing when you're reading comics because you can go back and read the original comics, but that might not be what really happened because, you know, that's been retconned. Or you can be reading these summaries like online, but that might not be what really happened the original time because the online summaries tend to tell you what the current you know version of the story is. So that can be confusing. And when you're talking about the X-Men and the Avengers, there's a lot of retcons. Retcons can also be hilarious. But go ahead. <laughs> well, there's. Um, I think the most famous retcon that I know of is uh, within the Marvel universe is that originally Wolverine was supposed to be a Wolverine, like a um, evolved um, Wolverine into human form, right? I had not heard that actually. <laughs> yes, yes. So at the time, the creator had this idea that certain characters like Wendigo and stuff like that would be these evolved mammal forms. Um, and part of the mutation and stuff like that, and so Wolverine was actually going to be an evolved Wolverine, and then someone kind of came in and smacked him around and said, just make him a mutant, and they all go, okay. That's, that's hilarious. I had not heard that at all. That's really funny. Now, some of my favorites are, are in the X-Men. Uh, I saw a, a short X-Men fan, mo- fan movie recently, which was called uh, Death Becomes Them, which is, which is a little animated short, and it has like Magneto confronting the X-Men. The X-Men saying, aren't you dead? And Magneto's response is, no, no, that was actually a Magneto robot built by Factor 3 to fool Lorna Dane. They're like, no, 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 no. That's what happened the last time you died. I'm pretty sure four months ago, Wolverine cut off your head. And he's like, no, no, no. That was actually Zorn's twin brother, possessed by the sentient mold Sublime, pretending to be me, pretending to be Zorn. Which is actually what happened in the comic. That yep. was the actual retcon, which is insane and hilarious. And to which Beast's response is, that defies all logic, which is true. And one of my favorite retcons is uh, there's the Doctor Who spinoff Torchwood, the amnesia pill that they give people. They call it retcon. 
which I thought was kind of oh, funny. that's funny. Cause, yeah, because they're they're poking fun at that. So yeah, Avengers Avengers versus X Men. I mentioned this in the last episode, but that the reason I started buying it was I happened to walk into Dragon's Lair, which is our one of our local gaming stores, when they were having a big Avengers Avengers versus X Men event, and I was like, why is everybody dressed up like a comic book superhero? It was very confusing and kind of scary. And they're like, oh, it's the Avengers versus X Men event. Here, have some buttons, have some posters, have some. You know, I side with the X Men. I side with the Avengers. I'm like, okay. Sure, why not? I'm trying comics again. I'll give this a shot. This is going to be the big comic event of the summer for Marvel. Why, why the heck not? So I did. I, I went ahead and picked up um, uh, what I thought was Avengers versus X-Men, uh, but uh, it was AVX. So there, there's multiple titles uh, involved with this uh, Avengers versus X-Men event. And I first got uh, some, some AVX comics. And then when I went in uh, last week, they said, oh, here's Avengers vs. X-Men number one. I'm like, oh, I already had that. They're like, no, no, no. What you had was AVX number one. This is Avengers vs. X-Men number one. That's completely different. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. So, yeah, in, in some sense, you know, it's it's this big event that they're trying to obviously push sales and they're trying to, to, you know, like to do different things. And it's a little bit confusing, but okay, I think I've got a, a hold on it now. Um but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Avengers and the X-Men because there's so much backstory involved in this that I had to look up that in order to follow the current storyline, uh, I had to kind of look up and see who was who and what was what and, and why did people act this way. So um, both Avengers and the X-Men are about to turn 50. They both came out in 1963. Uh, Avengers was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby uh, in, on, in the footsteps of the earlier uh, Fantastic Four from Marvel, and which was itself also in the footsteps of the Justice League from DC. And the original uh, Avengers was Iron Man, Ant-Man, Wasp, Thor, and the Hulk. Um, talking about one of those retcons, in Avengers number four, they decided to bring back a, a superhero that had been popular during World War II, and a comic that had been popular during World War II, which was Captain America. And they went back and basically said, um, oh, the Captain America after World War II wasn't the same Captain America. See, this, that the original Captain America disappeared. And, and the reason he disappears is because he was frozen in ice and in suspended animation, and now we're, we're thawing him out again. So in Avengers number four, they brought back the World War II superhero Captain America to join the team and ended up replacing the Hulk as, as, as one of the founding members. And he's been a big part of the Avengers ever since. Um, so and of course the Avengers have had a, a you know animated series and and games. I remember there was an arcade game that I used to play at the movies in the early 90s that was a four player game that was a lot of fun and they've been around you know for 50 years and had a, a big different a, a pretty big uh, lineup. They've had you know so many characters that have been part of the Avengers and one of their things is that they're supposed to take on the big threats you know the threats that the individual superheroes couldn't take on themselves. That's kind of that's kind of their purpose. So um, one of the early roster changes or some of the early roster changes um, they brought on. Hawkeye, who you see in the movies, and the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. So now we're getting to the part where Avengers versus X-Men complication uh, really sets in. And that is, do you know do you know much about the Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver in them? Well, they're um, the, the um, son and daughter of Magneto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scarlet Witch and and Quicksilver were part of uh, Magneto's or team uh, early early in Magneto's team, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and they're his children. And the Scarlet Witch, I always found a little bit confusing because her power, her mutant power, is the power to affect probability, and she does this by like cursing people and stuff like that. But in addition to that, at some point in time, she also learned magic. 
So she could do magic in the Marvel, you know, real, quote-unquote, real magic of the Marvel Universe, and she had this probability-altering power. So there's just all kinds of weirdness that she could do, and, and all kind and, and yeah, that, I always found that a little strange. Now, now let's, let's pause here. Did you ever read House of M? I'm going to mention House of M. Okay. Because there's also some retcons apparently associated with that and some things that I'm not sure are retcons and, and of course the big changes in the Marvel universe that happen that happen with that. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention before that though was that, you know, uh, the Scarlet Witch was part of the Avengers. She developed a relationship with the Android called the Vision. Yep. And they they actually had their own series called The Vision and the Scarlet Witch for for some time in the I think late seventies, early eighties. I've got I've actually got some of those uh back at home. Um and uh yeah, and so they and they had kids and and all these things happened. Uh you know, they developed this relationship, they joined the Avengers, they had children, she learned magic and, and so on and so on. And then everything and this is and, and I, I stopped reading at this point, and this is what I've been catching up on, and stuff like the House of M and Decimation occurred, which it sounds like you know more about. Uh what what I what I've seen is that the Scarlet Witches, apparently her kids were actually not real. They were magic, and so they disappeared, and she started going crazy, and her reality-altering powers grew more and more powerful. So, yeah, did, uh, do you know much about the House of M, then? Yeah, so not everyone's going to be familiar about with this one, and it's a major impacting storyline within the Marvel Universe. Let me just say this. When it comes to, to the, you know, because we covered DC a lot and now we're covering Marvel, uh, my allegiance, I guess you could say, I, I like DC individual characters better, but I like how Marvel handles the overarching storylines better, right? I think Marvel's just better at doing big storylines like House of M, World War Hulk, Civil War, Secret War, you know, the Infinity War, all that good stuff. Those are very interesting. I've never really gotten into some of the DC overarching stories. I think they're all, I'm sorry, they're just kind of poorly done. Um, and there's never been one DC like overarching story that I was like, man, that's really cool. House of M was one of the major ones where they decided they were going to clean up the number of mutants running around because they'd had they'd created so many mutants over the years for the various comics and stuff like that. And so uh, Scarlet Witch went a little crazy after losing her kids, so she recreated the entire world. Um, made mutants the dominant force and, you know, gave everyone happiness. They all kind of snap out of it. They confront her collectively. And she says, well, if we're going to get rid of the mutants, we're going to get rid of all of them. And they, she depowered like everybody. And that's where yeah, the, apparently... the 128, I think it was that came from the, 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 the little over a hundred mutants were left after that. Yeah, I think I read 189 mutants or something like that. Mutants were left after that. That that's the event that they call decimation. Yes, basically. And so, so here's the part that I I suspect is retcon, but I'm not sure. Maybe you could confirm. Um, so in looking up the Scarlet Witch's history, they say the one of the reasons that she grew more powerful, and one of the reasons that she uh, that she was able to do all this stuff, and one of the reasons she started going crazy, is because she was actually under the influence of some kind of powerful evil entity. And, and did that happen in the original? House of M. I, I don't. That wasn't present in House of M. I think that is. That's that's. Ba she's. They're basically doing the Hal Jordan parallax. You right. Know, retcon. Right. You know? So. Yeah. So uh, and and that kind of confused me going into Avengers versus X Men a bit because of issue number zero. So. Um, 
So here's the Scarlet Witch. Uh, she's, you know, and, and this is going crazy. She apparently did some really terrible things to fighting her teammates and and caused her and caused the Vision, her former husband, to go against their teammates and stuff like that. So in the very first AVX number zero, I get the sense that this is the first time she's kind of like trying to return. And you can tell that she's having a really difficult time. Uh, and, and, and she's like, okay. And she, she approaches her friends in the Avengers and tries to go back to the, to the Avengers mansion because they invite her. Her friends invite her back to the Avengers mansion in this, uh, in this, in this really kind of sad scene where they take her to, um, uh, Miss Marvel and Spider Woman take her to the Avengers Mansion, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you know, you're going to be coming home." At which, in, and so it's it's these three outside: the uh, Spider Woman, Miss Marvel, and and the Scarlet Witch. And they open the door, and there's Vision, and there's Vision, Thor, Wolverine, Beast, and Iron Man standing there. And basically, the Vision, like, "I can't forgive you. You get out of here." And and the and the thing and the people there are like, "Well, Wolverine's like, it's it's his call." And and uh, and they're like and they kick and they and they kick her out basically and she's really upset and and, and sad and everything and her friends t- take her out and um to which you know then you turn around and you see Vision with a single tear down the front of his face because it was so hard <laughs> for him but that makes no sense whatsoever it, it, for a number of reasons one is you know it's it's the Avengers and and why why is it his call why is it the Vision's call because you know she was an Avenger too and uh. Apparently, under the influence of this evil entity, so it really wasn't entirely her fault anyway. So that makes so a lot of that made no sense to me whatsoever. And the one I was really disappointed in was Tony Stark, because you know Iron Man, who is so you know downright awesome in the movies in particular. His response is, "I always like them together." I was like, "Really? That's that's what you're going with?" So you know it, that was that was kind of weird. I was a little bit disappointed in in that one, uh, and in the other half of that, ABX number zero talks about Hope Summers. And I'm like. Who's Hope Summers? Do you know? Do you know Hope Summers, PJ? No, is that one of the Summers kids? Because I know that like they're all over the place. <laughs> right. So again, we're talking about Cyclops timelines, and exactly Cyclops so Havoc's like half brother, whatever sister right, thing. Exactly. So. so apparently, so of course you have the superhero known as Cable, who is from the future, who has come back to the present, who is the son of. Uh, Cyclops, Scott Summers, and Madeline Pryor, who is a clone of Jean Grey. So yeah, this is it's kind of ridiculous and confusing. So Hope Summers is the first mutant that was born after Decimation. And I don't know what happened to her parents, but she's supposed to be some kind of mutant messiah. And she got taken to the future and was raised by Cable, who brought her back to the present. There's Hope Summers. I've actually read that she's a really interesting and great character, and what I've seen about her so far in, in this AVX thing is pretty interesting, but it's just, okay, I, I kind of lost here. But sure, why not? So we have Hope Summers here, who's supposed to be the mutant messiah. So the, the, the last part, and I know this is going a little crazy, the Phoenix Force has been a big part of the Marvel Universe for a long time. Yes. And that, that was originally, you know, you've seen hints of the Phoenix Force in the X-Men movies, or maybe more than hints. And the Phoenix Force was this, and again, this is partly retcon and partly the way that it was written originally, and it's been all mixed up. But basically this, this force of destruction and creation in the universe that at one point had possessed Jean Grey, who turned into the Phoenix and then Dark Phoenix. And it's just this powerful, incredible force. And the, Excuse me. And there's been other uh, possessors of the Phoenix Force besides Jean Grey. There's been her... I believe her daughter from an alternate timeline. Is that what, what the other Phoenix is? Yes, uh, but, yes. Uh, more down the the the, uh, the well on that one. It's, it's hard to keep right. track of it. 
Right, and so she's come back, and the Phoenix Force has been seen in other in other universes, and and other uh, and by that I mean space universes, like because there's there's a whole series of X Men adventures in outer space, and other things like that have happened, and and usually the Phoenix is everyone's terrified of the Phoenix because it, it, she's so powerful, sometimes good, sometimes evil, you know, uh, it, it's hard to say what the Phoenix is going to do. Well, the Phoenix has decided apparently, as far as we know, to uh, that 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 Hope Summers is going to be her next. Avatar, basically coming to Earth to merge with Hope Summers. And that is the premise behind Avengers vs. X-Men. Because the the X-Men are like, okay, we know the Phoenix is coming. We need to prepare Hope for this. We need to do what we can to support her, whatever, whatever, whatever. The Avengers are like, we need to get her off the planet because it's so dangerous. So we need to take her and take her you know, as far away as possible so that the planet isn't destroyed and all this other stuff. And it sets up this, this fight, basically. Um, one of my one of my big problems with this is that in in the especially in these first AVX and and, and Avengers X Men the first issues everyone acts like a complete idiot. So you have Cyclops who's supposed to be this brilliant tactician and and the leader of the X Men and, and all these other things, and you have Captain America who's all about individual rights and and you know he he actually went against the government in in that big crossover event Civil War because he was so upset by depriving people of liberty and and, and all those things that were going on with the Superhero Mutant Re- Registration Act. You know we. You have Captain America saying, "Okay, we're going to go take this kid, no matter what, you know, no matter what these people say." And you have Cyclops. You have him going, "Boom! I'm shooting you first. So it's this, it's this really, it's really even more than Civil War. It's really hard to find for me anyway a sympathetic side on this on this story. Yeah. So, and, uh, so for, uh, go ahead. Well, I mean, I just want to say, for my money, I really enjoyed Civil War, and there was a lot of good stuff that came out of it, a lot of good storylines, but. My gut reaction when I saw that they were doing Avengers vs. X-Men, I was like, oh, they're trying to recreate Civil War, right? Because it, it did really well, you know, got them a whole bunch of new readers and stuff like that. And so it just felt like they couldn't come up with another good storyline or something really interesting. So they're just going to make our, their universe fight each other again. Right. And Civil War, I had I had some problems with Civil War. Again, I wasn't regularly reading comics at the time, but I did I did go get a couple of those issues. And and I, I had a few concerns about it and the way that it was written. Actually my favorite part of Civil War was probably Marvel Ultimate Alliance two, uh, the video game. So I like I didn't like the way it ended. I didn't like the actions of some of the some of the characters in it. And that's intentional. I mean I, I think it's a good a good story like i think that it the, like the 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 discussion that they were trying to have i think was good and interesting about you know security versus liberty and and all those other themes that kind of came across in civil war but ultimately i was a little disappointed in in how it was resolved and then how they resolved it after it was over like what happened afterwards i thought that was a little bit jumbled but whatever but this just feels to me it feels like civil war 2 but not quite as well done Oh, exactly, because like you said, the the morality and the ethics behind Civil War were very interesting. A lot of people really kind of, if you talk about comic book enthusiasts, you know, they were split on the whole idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. There were some people who really thought that, you know, if, if superheroes that exist, you know, such power would need to be regulated in some form or fashion. And there are honestly people who are like, yeah, registration wouldn't be such a bad idea. And then other people are like, no, man, keeping cow, keeping cow, you gotta, you know. And, and so... I thought that it, it had an interesting dialogue behind it. Avengers versus X-Men, this just sounds uh, lame. It's, 
Well, yeah, and it's not. I mean, they're they're. I think they they might have some good moments. Um, I think those are largely going to be in the individual titles, like the the have the Avengers, the new Avengers, the X Men, uh, and and a few other things. And and there's a couple of things I'm looking forward to. But so far, when I've been reading through the comics, it's Avengers versus X Men number one. Let me see. I've got that here. All it is, and this is not AVX. This is Avengers versus X Men number one, which which came out pretty recently. Um, so. What happens in this in the beginning? There's a a, a Q there's a Q and A, and people are talking about th- when does this happen? This happens in the middle in the middle of Avengers vs X Men number two. What happens in that issue? And the response is, "What are you dense? Go buy it if you want to know." This is about fights in big letters, and that's exactly right. All this is is fights. That's it. That's the Avengers vs X Men. The actual title called the Avengers vs X Men. It is just put this Miss Avenger versus this X Men. Who wins? That's it. There's really no character development. There's really not much conversation. It's just fights and and kind of interesting art. And and I you know I don't know how they really plan to make anybody happy with this necessarily. I mean I guess there are people who really just want to see people fighting, but you know you know that people are going to take sides. You know that people will be kind of like people will be upset about it. Like there's no way that such and such would beat such and such, which is kind of my my reaction to one of these fights. I have to say, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, but yeah, no, I mean it's it's like I I don't I don't know I I'm I'm looking for a little more nowadays I guess I, I've maybe been spoiled by some of the other comics that I, that I've been reading but this really yeah I, I I gave it a decided meh like I'm gonna continue I think there's some things that look interesting I want to see Doctor Strange versus Magic from the New Mutants for example I want to mm-hmm. see what happens there but yeah I'm I don't know it it is pretty much the definition of mindless action so far. You and I have been reading a lot more third-party stuff. Um, you know, yep. Walking Dead is the you know one that everyone goes to for their their third-party quote-unquote you know development. But there's a lot of other good stuff. One of my favorite was Why the Last Man. Um, and there's a lot of good third. Oh, so it's, uh, everyone who's listening to this, if you haven't read, read uh, Why the Last Man, it's a great, great comic series about the last man on Earth um, when there's a virus that you know kills off all the males and there's only one guy left and, and how he survives. Great series. And in those comic series, they're not afraid to kill off characters and have dynamic storylines. And it seems, you know, Marvel and DC bend over backwards to create... They try to create interesting stories without messing with the status quo. Right. And you can't do that. Uh, I'm, afraid, right. I'm just sorry, you can't. Right. I remember when I was a kid... Uh, one of the things that the people used to say was, you know, the people who stay dead are, you know, everyone, everyone come back except for Bucky, Jason, Todd, and and someone else I forget, and they're all back. Oh, Uncle Ben, but all of them have come back at least once, if not more times. And you know, Bucky and Jason, Todd are established characters again. So I mean, it's it's like, yeah, they're not they they don't change the status quo, and even when they intend to change the status quo, they always bring the status quo back. So I don't know, it's. And the thing is, is that they they do sometimes tell really interesting stories, and they do have some some good comics. I think I think there's some really good writers out there in Marvel and DC, and and when they're allowed to do their thing, they work out really well. But I don't know if it's the nature of this uh, genre. No, I don't think it is. I mean, the nature of this kind of world spanning event, uh, it just seems kind of put together to me. Now that being said, it's received some positive reviews from from people I've seen online and some negative reviews. So you know your reactions might be mixed, but for me, it just didn't quite do it for me. Yeah, I, like I said, um, I, I I kind of avoided it. I knew we were going to talk about it. I, I've been wanting to get your feedback on it and see some other feedback on it. My my knee jerk reaction is I, I love Civil War, and it just feels like they're trying to ride high on that storyline for a second time. 
And right. I've already seen the Marvel characters all fight each other. I don't need to see them fight each other again. You know, let's not, not let's not rehash this within a year of already doing it, right? Or, or right. no, Civil War is like four years ago or something like that. I'm I'm being a little bit too nitpicky on that one, but you, you know what I mean, right? You know, it's it's yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. A little too soon to to go back to that well. Right, so. to the hero versus hero, you know, friend against friend kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, but, but yeah. So, well, but that right. leads us into um, the conversation of the, the Marvel movie universe. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I'm very excited about, right? I, I think a lot of times you and I talk um, about stuff that, you know, we're kind of dissatisfied with or concerned about. But I want, it, I want this to be a positive conversation here about the Marvel movie universe. I okay, think- can I get one thing? Can I get one thing out of the way then? And this is going to be a positive conversation. Sure. Uh, let's just not let's just not talk about Ghost Rider two then. <laughs> okay, very good point. Go. Uh, <laughs> but yes, let's keep the rest of the podcast positive. Well, okay, let's let's <laughs> let's have that conversation. Okay, so there's here's what I give Marvel credit for. They try, yes. right? Yes. DC, I think, is afraid to try. They tried with Green Lantern, and they got their butts kicked with it. And it sounds like, from what I understand, they're just like, you know what? We're just going to do Batman and Superman from now on, right? Yeah, and, and even Superman Returns didn't have that great of a reception. So, Oh, because Superman Returns was about Superman the Stalker. They didn't really – they tried to go back to the Richard Donner feel to it, and that's the wrong thing to do. That was for that generation. We're the new generation. you got to approach – don't approach us with the, the ideas – from that timeline, right? You know, give us something new and different. I had a lot of problems with that Superman Returns because I felt that it was just a, a poorly written, poorly portrayed Superman. Why Lex Luthor had to be the bad guy again, I don't know. And like I said, way too many wide angle shots of Superman floating, staring at Lois in a very creepy fashion. That's why I call it Superman Stalker. I see. <laughs> so That's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. But... What I give Marvel credit for is they try. It's a hit and miss system, but they try. So they'll have great movies like, you know, X-Men First Class, Captain America Thor, the two Iron Mans. I thought Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton was really good. But then they'll have stinkers like, you know, The Punisher, Elektra, you know, Ghost Rider 1, Ghost Rider 2. But they have a model for how they do their movies, you know. They keep it within a certain budget frame. They try stuff. If it works out, they'll do it again. If it doesn't work out, they're not afraid to go back to the well, right? Um, right. And so that's why we've seen two different Punisher movies, two different uh, Hulk movies, right? The uh, the one with uh, um, Eric Bana, which was right. by Ang Lee. I didn't like it. It it just seemed too off for a Hulk movie. Yeah, I actually liked it, but yeah, I know it didn't do particularly well. So <clears throat> then we had the Ed Norton, the Incredible Hulk, um, which was kind of a Bill Bixby inspired yep. uh, retake on it. I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a yeah. Movie. I thought that, I did too. Yeah, it, it was a great rendition of it, and and that sort of that's so so Marvel's creating this Marvel movie universe where all these stories are intertwined. So they're taking, you know, Captain America, the elements from there are going to be involved in the Avengers, Thor, Iron Man, and they're using elements from the Incredible Hulk, Hulk with Ed Norton. I don't know if you watched past the credits on that one, but they had uh Tony Stark in the end of that uh movie. Yes. Played by Robert. Yeah, Hanks. every 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 Avenger related movie has had some kind of of teaser after the credits. Yeah. So one of the things I think is really interesting is that within, you know, because the Marvel, the, the comic book universe is dynamic and characters cross over and all the good stuff. But we haven't seen that in movies that much until Marvel decided yep. to play around with the yep. concept. 
And yep. now it's it's coming to fruition. We're seeing the Avengers movie. I am beyond excited for this. Joss Whedon's directing it. He's a great director. You and I yes. both love his his work. You know the Firefly, Serenity, yep. Buffy stuff, and and wrote the script, which is awesome. Also, exactly. And they're going for dynamic. They're going for you know wide sweeping. You know, and one of the things I love about it is is as they make these movies, they try to keep the budget in line so that if it doesn't do well, they don't hurt that much. So let's take for example. Um, the difference between X-Men First Class and Green Lantern, because they both came out around the same time, right? And yeah. mm-hmm. it, it was it was a bit of a gamble on both of those properties, right? Because they were trying to do an X-Men movie that was not advertised to have um, Wolverine in it, right? It did, right. Ex- it did actually end up having um, Wolverine in the film, Right. But you didn't know that, and so that honestly, that's a gamble for them. Can a, can an X Men yeah. do well with that Wolverine? And it did amazingly well, right? So um, X Men First Class, I don't know how much it made. Let's see here, uh, uh, one hundred and forty six million. It looks like. <clears throat> and so that's is that on no that is that in total or is that on opening? No, that can't be on. No, no, no worldwide it's made three hundred and fifty three million. I believe. Okay. And then, how much did it cost to make? I think it cost. To uh, do. By the way, uh, Box Office Mojo is a good thing to look up for all this stuff. So yes, it cost 160 million to make, and in, in total, it made 353 million. So that is them. And then the kind of rule of thumb is you take like half the budget, and that's the advertising cost, right? So in total, it probably cost about 200 some odd, you know, 240 million to make or something like that with advertising. So they made money off of it. Now. Green Lantern. Let's take a look at the tragedy that. Yeah. That and now Green Lantern, I know, cost about two hundred million to make. Yeah. So already, you know. Two hundred million. Chunk of change. And and they advertised the crap out of that. So we're probably looking more at around two hundred eighty, three hundred million for in total for advertising. That only made two hundred nineteen million with both domestic and foreign. So they. Yeah, lost. that's kind of rough. So, I I think. Marvel has a good idea that they try to keep the budget tight, right? You know, they they have this the magic number for them has always been about the 150 range, right? You know, float mm-hmm. somewhere in that, you know, 140, 160, whatever. Advertise it reasonably, and I think they do a good job, a great job of of trying to get a, across as many different properties as possible, right? Within that, yeah, and I know, I know you you are a huge Green Lantern fan. Which movie did you like better? Oh, I did. I loved X Men First Class. Um, I am a gigantic Green Lantern fan. I've got Green Lantern paraphernalia all over my office here. I got a replica lantern and all the good stuff. And uh, the Green Lantern movie was just kind of bad. So yeah, and X Men First Class was surprisingly good. So I mean, yeah, it's it's getting a sequel, and and you know, like it's a a movie, an X Men movie that did well without having Wolverine in it, or at least not advertising having Wolverine. Um, so so since they're willing to try, since they're willing to go that extra effort, they now have something that we've always talked about: the ensemble superhero movie. A lot of us. A lot of us thought it wouldn't happen, right? We've talked about. Did you know that they had a Justice League movie in the works? It was going to be filmed in Australia, and it was going to be with all Aussies and stuff like that. I did not know that. Yeah, it, they had a budget like about eighty million for it, and they were going to make it, and it fell through um, due to some of the taxation requirements over in Australia and stuff like that. But 
When asked about how they're handing, handling their intellectual property in comparison to, to Marvel, DC has said, you know, they have specifically stated, we're going to keep ourselves, each property, each character is going to kind of exist in a bubble, right? That the others don't um, interfere with, right? So Batman exists in a world where it's just Batman. Superman exists in a world where it's just Superman. Same with Green Lantern, all that stuff. And they said that's how they're, they're going to do it. They're going to specifically do it that way. And I think they miss out. I think they the, – the the only negative reaction to what Marvel's doing is is a lot of people feel that the storylines for some of the movies have forced elements to make them fit into this ensemble movie, right? So Captain America, Thor had some elements in them that made it to where they would fit within this new movie coming up. Same with Iron Man, all that good stuff. And some people said that that kind of takes away from the storyline. I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed I, yeah, it. I enjoyed it also. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed that they're teasing that there's this bigger world at play. That you know, this story is just a small part of a larger story, right? And that's really yeah, the only. I mean, every. Negative. Go ahead. I was going to say, everyone seemed, and I know I, I saw some of those movies uh, at the theater as, as I know you did. I know everyone was, everyone stayed for those teasers, and everyone was like, oh, that's such and such when something happened, you know, when they found Captain America's shield, or when they found Thor's hammer, or all those other things. Everyone was really excited by that. I think, I think Marvel really did have the right, the right uh, idea there. Well, and, I mean, I understand people's reaction, because it's not just about those little, like, hints and stuff like that. Some of the storyline elements right. with, like, um, the Red Skull using uh, an element powered from, you know, that was obviously from Thor's realm and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they feel like those elements kind of force the storyline in certain directions. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with there yeah. being a bigger story at play than what we're seeing within this one movie. I mean, I remember when... My the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out, and in the first movie, the the Fellowship of the Ring, it was uh, done, and and my parents waited till it was on DVD, and they watched it because they wanted to start watching those movies because they understood how big it was. At the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, my mom was a little disappointed by it, and I was like, "Well, what's wrong?" And she says, "Well, it didn't end. They they were just ah. they still had to go to Mordor. There was no ending." And I was like, oh, "Okay." But there's a bigger story at play, right? That's the end of this chapter of the story, right? And so, I I, fig, I feel that people who complain about you know those elements, you know, feeling forced, it's not that they're forced. It's that there is a bigger story at play that you know we're only seeing this part of it, and then you know the next part will be in the next movie and such. So, yep. I I don't feel that you know the movies are forced in those in those regards. I feel that, you know, they're just kind of setting up this big story that's going to take place in the Avengers. Now, let's go over the cast. Of course we're gonna have um we're gonna have Chris Evans as Captain America. And I think Chris Evans was a great pick. I, at first I was a kind of against it because Chris Evans is known as being the goofy character, right? And we already had Chris Evans established as the human torch from the Fantastic Four movies. Right. But, you know, I, they they were concerned, like, how can he be Human Torch in Captain America? I got no problem with that. You know, he's got the guns to be Captain America. My only concern was I wasn't sure if he could pull off Sirius, but I watched the movie. He could pull off Sirius. I think he did a great job. Yeah. About um, I think he did a good job. Yeah. It, it, he plays, you know, the all-American hero pretty well, the, the hero overburdened with responsibility but willing to rise to the call and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually didn't realize he was the Human Torch. So, so good for you, Chris. <laughs> well, I'm, 
I'm the movie guy, right? You know, within our group of friends, you know, I I, I worked in a movie theater when I was uh, young, and I've always kind of been into the movie machinations on the background so i know like producer names and stuff like that and director names so and i try to kind of keep up with all this stuff so yeah uh chris evans you know he was I, I just, I, yeah he was i suspect i was just that i kind of found it a little forgettable <laughs> well <laughs> but okay the fantastic four movies are another two movies that they were trying but to be honest i never found the fantastic four that interesting of a comic series so when I came out of there, <laughs> I wasn't like disappointed because I didn't have any expectations. I, I understand completely. <laughs> I, I don't see how people like the Fantastic Four. It just seems like kind of a ho hum series, you know, the comic series. So when when people are like, you know, oh, it wasn't that good, I was like, it was pretty much what I expected. It was a Fantastic Four <laughs> movie. So well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course we have Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Um, you know, he was a controversial pick in Iron Man when, when the first yes. Iron Man film. And boy, did he prove people wrong. Well, I thought it was a brilliant pick from day one. And the reason, because yes. he, he was a controversial pick because of his history with, you know, drugs and alcohol and all the good stuff. But that of course is Tony Stark. I mean, right. He was, he, he, uh, yeah, I agree. It was an absolutely brilliant pick, and he has filled the role of Tony Stark like perfectly. I cannot even, I cannot think of who would be a, you know, people always do like their dream list of who's going to come out as who. I cannot think of a better Tony Stark than Robert Downey Jr. And he's what amazing I, in that movie. What I love about Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is I truly get a genuine sense that he enjoys playing the character, right? Yes. One of the things that really started to annoy me about the Spider-Man series is all the negative reaction from Tobey Maguire about having to play Spider-Man again, right? Because he was contractually obligated to play Spider-Man in three movies. And after the first movie, he really was just done playing Spider-Man, and he didn't want to do it anymore, right? And I so didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and that was the, the – they had sort of – in the third Spider-Man movie, they had a, a bit of an Easter egg you know, kind of teaser about that. There was a part where – um, he fell out of the, you know the sky. I think it was maybe the second one, but he fell out of the uh, sky because he was swinging on his you know ropes and his powers were kind of f- um, flaking out on him. And he lands in a car and he's like limping away. He's like, oh my back. Well, that was um, to make fun of Toby because he was trying to get out of playing Spider-Man again and claiming back injuries and claiming you know back spasms and stuff like that. So. Um, I, I just didn't get a sense that, you know, to- Tobey Maguire is like, I, I don't want to play Spider-Man. I don't want to be typecast. And you get the sense of Robert Downey Jr. that he will play Iron Man as many times as they make Iron Man movies, right? You know, because the same thing with Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman will play Wolverine as many times as they want to make Wolverine movies, right? Another character that he's just is thrilled to play. And the reason is, like, Hugh Jackman goes and he does all these Broadway shows. He does all this theater stuff in New York. And he does, you know, my mom saw one of his Broadway shows and was completely amazed and impressed by it. And he does all that stuff. And he comes, you know, when it's time to kind of get the paycheck, he's like, hey, who's got a Wolverine movie for me to play? Right? And there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. Because it shows that he's genuinely interested in playing Wolverine. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So... You know, again, you know, two characters that did really well, um, and Thor, of course, um, Kirk's dad, right? Chris Hemsworth. He he would played um, Kirk's father in uh, Star Trek, and was a I wouldn't say a controversial pick for Thor, but he was an unknown at that time, right? 
You know, usually mm-hmm. they try to yes. cast, you know, box office uh, breaking people to come in to, to, you know, play these characters to bring in the audience. And Chris Hemsworth was an unknown factor at that time. And again, I think he played the character to a T, right? He played the arrogance mixed in with the, you know, the the bravery and all the good stuff. And, you know, because of Kenneth Bragnaugh's um, direction of the movie, it had kind of a Shakespearean element in Thor. And yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Thor. I, I was really pleasantly surprised by that movie. <clears throat> Thank God Stanley did not play Odin. <laughs> you know, originally he was, was that gonna... was that was that really? Yep, originally Stanley was going to play Odin. Wow. And, yep. Yeah, imagine. I mean, don't get me wrong. Stanley's an awesome guy. I've seen plenty of interviews with him. Um, he's got this great interview he does with Kevin Smith on Netflix, and it was absolutely amazing. But you know, he I think he said on the interview like, you know, why did you? Um, stepped down from playing Odin. He was like, well, they got this uh, this actor, I think his name is Anthony Hopkins, and I figured I'd let him have a shot at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yes. So, again, another, you know, Chris Hemsworth, perfect pick. And um, another great movie. Did, did you? Which one did you like better, Captain America or Thor? Me, personally, I like Thor better than Captain America, and I like them both, but I did like Thor a, a bit better than that. Thor I've actually seen more than once. <laughs> I my my wife liked Captain America or no my wife liked Thor better. Um, I actually like Captain America better. I thought the overall um, tone and the artistic direction of the movie just okay. So it was directed by Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston directed The Rocketeer, and you can see a lot of the same type of tonal elements between the two films or, or the artistic direction. And for me, it just it, it worked perfectly for the Captain America movie. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. It, I think Captain America was a, a gutsy thing to do because it was it was a World War II movie. I mean, and and that you know, it's a period piece, it's a war piece, you know, a soldier piece, and and it's it's looking at this. I, I and I was uh, at surprised at how much I liked it. I thought it was really good. Uh, and personally, I just I really liked Thor. I mean, that was that was, I thought the movie was was great. I really loved the character of Loki. Is a big part of that. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. Captain America is also a harder one to pull off internationally because at you know at the time mm-hmm. we didn't exactly have the best um, reputation internationally and having a um, gung ho America number one type of movie coming out you know wasn't was might not have been received in the best light but it did really well internationally and I think it's because they kind yep. of kept that tone down yeah. And they kept that kind of gung-ho America's first spirit down in the film and, and made it more about the war and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, that was good. And, uh, and yeah, that was, that was all excellent. And Thor uh, had big names in it that were pretty good. Uh, Kenneth Branagh story. Uh, J. Michael Krasinski wrote at least part of that story, which was cool also. So, And then <clears throat> all of that brings us into the Avengers. Now – this one, you know, like we've already covered the the actors who've been in some of them. Let's talk about some of the ones that we, you know, aren't already established. Jeremy Renner um, is going to be playing Hawkeye, and I mean, God bless that guy. I mean, getting in the middle of that, you know, grouping uh, of superheroes and being the guy who's like, I use a bow. Uh, yeah, he had a he had a, a bit part in Thor, a bit part in Thor. Uh, I was like, is that Hawkeye? You know, because he pulled out his bow in favor of a, of a rifle, and sure enough, it was. But yeah, um, I think I know Holly is kind of confused about what his role might be. Uh, she thought he didn't look very impressive in that lineup, but hopefully, Joss Whedon will do something interesting with him. <laughs> well, from what I understand, he actually has a fairly big part in the movie because they were yeah. unsure of Robert Downey Jr.'s availability to do the film. 
they, they knew that he would be in it somewhat. Like, that's why... At the end, I think it was of Iron Man 2, like they say, oh, uh, you don't make it for the Avengers project. You'll be a consultant, right? Because right. they weren't mm-hmm. sure. Because Robert Downey Jr. has become hot stuff again. He is committed to doing the film, so he actually was able to be in a large part of the film. But they'd already mm-hmm. kind of buffed the Jeremy Renner part, the uh, the Hawkeye part. So now he's got a fairly large role in the film, right? That's good to hear. Yeah. And... But it is hard to be that dude who's like, I use a bone and arrow, and you got to do like in power armor, right? How can you be the guy using the bone arrow when there's a guy with um, repulsor um, things on his wrist and a power armor right next to you? So there is that kind of like, you know, uh, things aren't quite even field here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. Um, yep. And she did a great job in, in uh, Iron Man 2. Yeah, she did. Her part was kind of small. I mean, she had one cool scene, and she kind of appeared throughout it, but she was kind of all over the place, I thought. I think I thought that she she could have played a bigger role than she did, but yeah. <clears throat> and then, I, I, I agree. I was a little bit worried about Scarlett Johansson because she she's a good actress, but she's not really known for playing up parts, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Um... Uh, that's you know, Lost in Translation is probably the the most infamous film, or not or the mo- most famous film that broke her. Um, Lost in Translation was a good film, but it's a bl- little bit of a downer of a film. And she's just kind of played those type of characters a lot. So when she's playing the Black Widow, I was like, uh, I don't see it. She's not really known for playing the kind of upbeat characters, but you know, she did a great job. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, she did, and she was actually not the first choice as it came out to play Black Widow. Uh, Emily Blunt was, and uh, and but she d- she declined parts in Iron Man two and in uh, um, uh, Captain America actually uh, because she uh, didn't think that the I think what she said was that the female parts in those films usually aren't that great, uh, and so she 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 declined. And I think Scarlett Johansson did did a pretty decent job uh, in Iron Man Two. Uh, I wish they'd used her more. And I'm hoping again this is a Joss Whedon film, so I have big hopes for her character in this. Joss Whedon's known for doing strong female characters, mm-hmm. um, and and treating those parts pretty well. And now let's go to. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo does a lot of um, more artsy films, right? If you take a look mm-hmm. at his resume, you won't see a ton of, you know... I mean, he was in Shutter Island. I mean, that was a kind of a big movie. But again, you know, not not what I would call a, a groundbreaking or like a, uh, a blockbuster film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Zodiac, All the King's Men, you know. So, great actor, does more of the kind of um, artsy films and stuff like that. Uh, from what I understand, he kind of steals the show as Bruce Banner, right? That's what I've heard also. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with the Hulk. I mean, especially have, I mean, filling in Ed Norton's shoes can't be an easy thing. So I, I really want to see what happens with him. I heard Ed Norton. You know, I thought Ed Norton was great as Bruce Banner, but I heard he was a beast to work with on that. That he had all this stuff. Like he he rewrote a portion of the screenplay because he wanted to get his own stuff in there. They filmed some of it, just kind of pacifying, but none of it made it to the cut for the final cut, so he refused to do any press for The Incredible Hulk. It still did really well despite all that stuff, all that drama, but he did not come back to play Incredible Hulk again, which is fine. What I'm really happy about is for the first time, I don't know why they didn't think about this before, but for the first time they have the the actor playing Bruce Banner doing the mocap, the motion capture, for The Incredible Hulk. 
Yeah, and that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know why they didn't do that before. Like, do you know who did the mocap for the motion capture for the first Hulk movie with um, Eric Bana? I have no idea. Ang Lee, the director. That's really strange. <laughs> and the reason Ang Lee wanted to do it is because he was afraid nobody would get his vision for how the Hulk would act in those situations. So he did the motion capture himself. And I'm just sitting there going, you're not an actor. What What are you doing? Uh, so and I think that explains a lot of that film, actually. Um, sure. I know you liked it, though, so I, I'm not going to badmouth it too much. No, that's OK. I mean, it, it was like I, I, I know it has its flaws. But yes, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed I enjoyed both the Hulk movies, honestly. So. So all these elements come together for our Avengers movie. And and of course, we got our, our captain of all this stuff, Nick Fury, um, played, of course, by Samuel L. Jackson. Now, there's a little bit, you know, here's the kind of the shocking thing. Nick Fury, traditionally in the comics, is white. Yep. Now, we got Samuel L. Jackson coming in. By the way, I think he is a great choice. Perfectly captures the, the feeling of Nick Fury. And, and certainly the attitude. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! Just the guy who knows what's going on and doesn't trust anyone else to to kind of get stuff done, right? So he's this uh, the 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 you know the puppet master behind all this stuff, right? Because somebody has to to you know think of the greater good and all that good stuff. So does a great job. But all this weird controversy comes out for these films when they replace you know characters that are traditionally white with other characters who are black. What do you think about that? I mean, we have. The, I think. Yeah, the same thing happened with Thor, uh, yes. that we had people complaining about that. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I think, I mean, I you know, put in the actors that you think will make the character. I, mean, I think that's the important part. Um, I, I, you know, I, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit. Not at all. <laughs> and, and honestly, I think you know, we had that controversy for the Hunger Games, right? So the character of Zoe um, became, uh, is, is a young black woman. And in although, the... although to, to be fair, yeah, in the book, she probably was also so yeah um, i mean did nobody read the book in the book i guess right that that was the one that confused me people like had this negative reaction i was like did you not read the book she's black in the book what are you talking about yes see yeah i haven't seen the movie yet uh, but i have read the book and yeah i was like uh, i don't understand why people are shocked by this yeah <clears throat> so like they they've talked about doing another batman movie and one of the ideas that's been batted around is having Batman be black and bringing in uh, Will Smith. And I have no problem with that, but I don't want it to be Will Smith. I want it to be the guy who plays Luther. Have you ever seen Luther with um, Idris Elba? I have not. So he is this amazing British actor. He was in, um, I know this is going to maybe deter you from this, but he was in Ghost Rider 2. (laughs) <laughs> as the the guy who comes and brings Ghost Rider into the whole thing, he's yeah, a great. He, actually, no, yeah, he was he was good. Yeah, I think he would be a great uh, Bruce Wayne, right? Uh, I think that the reason they go with Will Smith is because you know he's Will Smith, right? And so he's big, just yeah, a, big name draw. Yeah, big name draw. But I think if you're going to go that route, which I have no problem with, I think that'd be you know because they have comic series about that. You know, there are you know these um, spinoff uh, uh, Batman. I don't know. I wouldn't even call Batman them is one. Batman. Well, I'm talking about they've like kind of redone the Batman story before with Batman being black and stuff like that. Okay, so, no. yeah, and, and it's been done before. And, you know, yeah, why not? You know, yeah, I agree. So I got no no problem with that. And I like I said, Samuel Jackson, for me, he is Nick Fury. And so much so that they actually redid Nick Fury in the Marvel Ultimate Universe to look like Samuel L. Jackson. Right. 
yeah, that, that makes sense to me too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He, I, I agree. I think he makes an excellent Nick Fury. So all in all, I'm like just beyond excited. It comes out for my birthday. So yes, that's right. That you is need to have a big party or something. Yeah, definitely. It's great having an early May birthday because that's when all the big blockbusters come out. So like every year, I'm like, ooh, what's going to be my movie present this year? <laughs> Oh, that, that is excellent. So, of course, you know, it's coming out this week. It's already been released overseas. Uh, Did you see how much money it's made overseas already? It's, it's already made almost $180 million before its U.S. release, it, the, which and, is insane. And from what I understand, it cost about 160 to make, right? So it sounds like it's already made back its production cost. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, and and not only that, you know, a lot of these movies, for example, Ghost Rider Two, weren't ever released to critics before. You know, you see, not reviewed by press time when you look at the movie reviews and stuff. Yeah, not the case with the Avengers. It was, it has been reviewed by critics. When I looked a couple of days ago, it was at ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I mean, I, yeah, my only worry is that uh, I'm going to go there with impossible expectations. But I'm, I'm honestly expecting this is going to be a great movie. It's at ninety seven percent now. <laughs> that is a sign that the movie might be terrible when they don't allow critics to review it before schedule. That's right. happens a lot. Um, you know, we would have press screenings at the theater I worked at a lot of times and, and, you know, press would come in expecting to be screened a certain movie and we wouldn't be allowed to show it to them and they'd be a little bit upset. So it happens. Um, but yeah, like, but, but yeah, not, not, not this a problem case. with the Avengers. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, this leads us to got, the question of, I, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say 97% from the critics and 90 something like 98% from the audience so far. So, wow. <clears throat> and it just sounds like it's it's gearing up. I mean, is this going to be finally going to be the big win Joss has been looking for? Right. I hope so. Cuz Joss, yeah. you and I know the awesomeness of Joss Whedon. He does a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. but he's always kind of been out in the fringe a little bit. He's never really had the blockbuster, right? Right. He's never had the mainstream blockbuster hit. That's right. We all thought it was going to happen with Firefly and Serenity, but Serenity was a great movie, but somehow just didn't find the audience. I yep. loved the Serenity movie. I thought it was a great film. Um, was very true to the uh, the TV show. You know, answered all my questions. Did great, and it just it it did nothing in the theaters. I couldn't understand it. I, it's I was left questioning like, how did that happen? How did that awesome movie do so poorly in the theaters? Right. <clears throat> But th- I think this will be his his big one, right? The one he's been looking for. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And you know, there's another there's another Joss Whedon movie out right now, which got its own weird was in development, <laughs> and like the rights got sold, and someone went bankrupt. So made several years ago, or a few years ago, and Cabin in the Woods is out right now. Uh, you know, starring Thor as one of the main characters in that movie before even before Thor was made, but yet it's being released now. So yeah, he's gonna have two movies at the uh, at the box office, or you know, in 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 at the same time, and both of them are getting really well reviewed. So yeah, that's gonna be. I think it's a really good Joss Whedon summer. Now, this leads us to the next question of future comic movies, right? We, we got some big ones coming up, so we know the Spider-Man movie's coming out soon, right? I'm yes. conflicted on that. <laughs> yeah, because really, did 
the Spider-Man just had an origin movie not 10 years ago. So I guess we need to introduce Spider-Man again to a whole new generation of people. I don't so Yeah, so I don't know. Let's address that. The problem is is that okay, so the Marvel movies that are being made now, one of the reasons I think they're so good is because they're being made by Marvel, right? Marvel's become their own movie production company. It was a big risk for them with the original Iron Man film. You know, they put all their eggs in that basket, and it paid off really well. Kind of like the same thing with New Line Cinema and the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogies, right? New Line Cinema almost bankrupted themselves trying to make the Lord of the Rings, and there was concern that if it didn't do well, they would go out of business. It did gangbusters, and they became, you know, billionaires off of it and what have you, but... Same thing with Iron Man. You know, Marvel was like, you know what? We're tired of contracting out our our um, intellectual property for other production companies to make. We want to make our own stuff. We want to get into the movie business, and they did so with Iron Man. That did amazingly well, and it opened the door for, of course, Iron Man 2, Captain America, um, Thor. All these movies that, you know, to make this Marvel Universe have been made by Marvel, right? And that's why they've been right. able to do this this sweeping universe, because they own all the rights, you know, right. other production companies, they've kind of avoided it because if they want to include any other characters, they have to pay for the rights to use those characters in the films. Marvel can just use them willy-nilly, right? So, mm-hmm. and that's what's led, I think, to a lot of the success of these films. But that also what leads us to the Spider-Man reboot. Spider-Man, uh, the rights to make the Spider-Man movie are still owned by Sony, and they have a use it or lose it clause in that if they don't use the intellectual property every some odd number of years to make a movie, they then lose the rights to use that character in future films, right? So that's actually why you're seeing another Spider-Man movie again so soon because Sony doesn't want to lose the Spider-Man rights. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing to me. That that's a weird reason to make a film for in my mind, but okay, sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's happened before. Um, it'll happen sure. again. But um, you know, Warner Brothers has that same stuff with like all the Batman, Superman stuff, right? So mm-hmm. that's why you'll see those films, you know, over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree. To be honest, though, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the Tobey Maguire stuff. So I'm honestly interested to see another take on it. So I'm willing okay. to go down that road with somebody with another director. Sure. Sam Raimi, I love Sam Raimi stuff, but towards the end it got a little weird. You, you know what I'm talking about? The, the dance number. I'm trying to yeah, the dance. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking because I was like, really, that that was I think the weirdest point of any of those Spider-Man films was that evil evil uh, Peter Parker dance number. Yeah, kind of strange. So let's give another person a crack at it. And um, But I honestly, I think Marvel has proved that they know how to handle their stuff better than other production companies do. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think that'll... I, I think I've ranted enough about this. I, <laughs> I think I've covered it from every angle you can possibly cover it. All right. So uh, let's, uh, let's tease uh, next episode. 
So next, this this coming week for me, uh, so it's the end of the academic semester. So this coming week is going to be absolutely insane for me. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk about something having to do with tabletop games next week, but I'm not entirely sure what yet. So I'm going to keep that a little bit vague. I apologize for that, but but we'll figure something out for next week. Of course, I could get a brilliant idea of some sort to talk about something else entirely, but I'm thinking tabletop games at the moment. And because of how crazy your time is, we're going to probably need to, do you want to give a little bit more time between episodes to kind of get your your um, academic stuff under control uh, let's see where i am on on saturday <laughs> okay okay absolutely mm-hmm. um and then i want to talk about the guild wars 2 impressions um as everyone knows this weekend has been the big guild wars 2 beta event they've opened up the floodgates and as part of that you know when they you in, installed the uh, the guild wars 2 game they said hey we've lifted the nda talk about it freely and that's what i'd like to do i'd like to talk about guild wars 2 and some of the positive things they're doing to kind of change the MMO genre, some of the things I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, really trying to delve down into that and, and see, you know, what Guild Wars 2 offers us and a sea, an absolute sea of MMOs out there with all different things. Sounds good. All right. So, so uh, we'll have show notes, up, show notes up at some point at our website at comingoutofthebasement.com. And you can always uh, find us at in Twitter. It's uh, cotb one um, and uh, feel free to uh, give us a tweet or you can email us at podcast at coming out of the basement.com. We really do enjoy the feedback. All, so far, all the feedback's been very positive and we like to kind of read the, uh, the, the uh, listener emails and um, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, please do. And like I said, we're, if you have suggestions on stuff you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Uh, and, and thank you very much for listening. All right, I'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, later.